Super Talk Mississippi media production. This is Jack Hoffman. For nearly 31 years, Tico Steakhouse has been a staple for fine dining in Jackson, Mississippi. I would like to invite you to come experience our family tradition of our hospitality, sizzling steaks, and healthy poured beverages. East County Lime Road in Ridgeland, 601-956-1030. Howdy, howdy, it's Rhino here, and I wanted to say thank you for listening to Middays with Gerard Gibbert here on Super Talk Mississippi. Get ready, get ready to go beyond the headlines and join a meaningful conversation with people from around the state. You're listening to Middays with Gerard Gibbert here on Super Talk Mississippi. Everyone and welcome to Midday Super Talk Mississippi. I'm your host Gerard Gibbert, along with Rhino in the Element Well Studio, guiding you through the middle of your day with facts, fodder, and fine music as we kick off a brand new week here. Rhino, howdy, howdy. Well, there was a whole bunch of football over the weekend, of course, with all the conference championships being played. Uh, pretty exciting games overall, but the playoffs have been set. Some folks are happy. Some are not. I believe this would be the last year we'd have this situation, right? We Everything changes. Yeah, you got the 12-team playoff next year. Yeah, so that... But that'll... then again, you'll have teams 13, 14, and 15 will probably be, be upset that they're not in the top 12. Yeah, that's probably true. It never ends, I guess. So, but the field is set for the playoffs, notably omitted from the field of four, Florida State University. 12-0 record. Didn't make it. But pretty good matchups. The bowl games as well. Except for Oregon. That's true. Uh, The Ducks. Now, a lot of folks here in the South believe that Washington will not fare very well. I think they're pretty good. I think they're going to do fine. What do you think? I, I, oh, I meant in the uh, in their bowl matchup. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like the every other bowl featuring the top ten has got another top ten team in it, and then Oregon's taking on Liberty. Liberty, I know in the that. Fiesta bowl. Didn't see that coming. Did uh, That just was weird. That's uh, But Liberty is... Got an incredible record. Are they undefeated? Or? Yeah, but who have they played? I mean, that's the problem Florida State had. Who have they played? Yeah, that, that is true. And I think to, to some extent, Florida State concerns about not being the same team now without their starting quarterback. And um, and so going into the into the playoffs, maybe they're not the same. Jordan Travis... From Florida State, of course, most felt Florida State on and the Florida State camp felt they got messed over there. He, uh, of course, was a quarterback, one of the most prolific in uh, quarterbacks in the history of Florida State for sure. 
He sustained an injury on November 18th against North Alabama, season-ending knee injury. That essentially ended his career in college football. They ended up 13-0 as the ACC champs. He, uh, he sent a tweet that got the attention of a lot of folks in the sporting world. It was, um, I guess, different than what you would expect. No sour grapes. Here's what he said. Devastated, heartbroken, in so much disbelief. I wish my leg broke earlier in the season so y'all could see this team is much more than the quarterback. I thought results matter. 13-0, and and this roster matches up across any team in those top four rankings. I am so sorry. Go Knowles. Well, there you go. I wish my leg broke earlier in the season. That's interesting take right there. Truly is. Well, um, so we got the playoff set. We got bowl games. Got Ole Miss headed to the Peach Bowl. They'll take on Penn State University, the Nittany Lions. That ought to be a good one. It shows how much I keep up with college football nowadays. Is it the Peach Bowl? Was it the Chick-fil-A Bowl? Chick-fil-A Peach Bowl. It used to be the Peach Bowl. (laughs) That's true. It's the Chick-fil-A Peach Bowl. It's been that name one or the other since I remember. I went to the Peach Bowl a long time ago. It wasn't Chick-fil-A anything. Well, of course, you got to have these big title sponsors these oh, days yeah. to bring in all the dough. And what they get for that, not only the naming rights to the event, but like every two minutes is a commercial <laughs> during the game from the title sponsor. And some of the title sponsors go a little farther than others, like the, uh, I forget which bowl game they're sponsoring, but Pop-Tart. They're going to have an <laughs> edible mascot, and they're hoping that the winning team eats the mascot. I love that. That won't be scarring for any young children watching at home. I think my favorite... Just a happy-go-lucky Pop-Tart on the sideline getting (laughs) scarfed down by a team of happy football players. That's great. Um, My favorite was the Poulan Weed Eater Bowl. (laughs) That was the best over there in Shreveport. (laughs) That was almost considered a bit... Of a mockery. Yep, we're going to a bowl, the weed eater bowl. <laughs> that was fun, though. You're you're always, I guess, appreciative of any opportunity for a little postseason play. In the political world, just received a notification, hot off the press here, folks. North Dakota Governor Doug Burgum suspends his 2024 campaign. What about Asa Hutchinson? He's still in there as well, isn't he? former governor of the great state of Arkansas. He's still a candidate. And, of course, we got a debate. So I guess it shows Burgum has more common sense than Asa. (laughs) It would. Uh, We got a debate, again, a presidential debate this week. Another one? Yes, yet another one, a GOP debate. Uh, That's coming up this week. That's going to be in Tuscaloosa. I believe. Isn't that right? Yeah. I think so. This would be the presidential primary's fourth such debate coming up, and I'm trying to see who all is going to be there. Not too many are left. Pretty much it's Trump and Haley, DeSantis, 
Ramaswamy, and Christie. That's about where we are now. Down to those few. So that's, but that's coming up. And, well, Trump is not, of course, going to be attending the debate. He's way out in front of the field. He's going to hold a fundraiser instead of a debate. He's going to be holding a fundraiser in Florida, Hollandale Beach, Florida. That will be on December. That's near Miami, by the way, on December the 6th. But in the meantime, we're going to have a debate in Tuscaloosa. How about that? I don't know how many folks are watching these debates, honestly. I think some folks will tune in and then say, okay, that's enough. They don't really go much further than that. Um, But And then, of course, we had the big DeSantis-Newsom debate last week. I'm seeing some reports that Newsom's wife intervened to end the debate against DeSantis. She sort of ended it on Thursday night. That was after, Throw in the towel! <laughs> after the first 90 minutes. And the moderator, of course, Sean Hannity, said, I got more time. We can keep on going. I think that was all staged and planned, I'm sure. But behind the scenes, apparently, the uh, the team attached to Governor Newsom, they were furious over the outcome, said the debate was rigged. What do they mean, rigged? What was rigged about it? The fact that you refused to answer very straightforward, relevant questions? Social media reacted, if that's any gauge in saying that the debate was positive for DeSantis and negative for Newsom. But apparently, during the break just before what was to be the extended portion of the debate, Jennifer Newsom entered the room and intervened. Now, this is being reported by NBC News. Multiple sources with the DeSantis campaign and, and another source, unaffiliated with either side, reported that the governor's wife, Jennifer, came out and said, we're done. <laughs> Politico also reporting this news. Quote, Gavin Newsom got beat so badly last night, his wife literally had to throw in the towel for him. That the statement from DeSantis spokesperson, Andrew Romeo. <laughs> the Newsom team claimed that both sides wanted to end the debate. I don't know. I, based on how it was going at that point, I don't see the, the DeSantis team suggesting that uh, the ceremonies, <laughs> if you could call it that, be terminated. We've got Dr. Jennifer Bryan coming on middays at 11.05. We'll talk about health care in Mississippi and the increase of respiratory illnesses, particularly in the southern United States. We're in the Element Well Studios. Stay with us. Now back to Middays with Gerard here on Super Talk Mississippi. 
Welcome back, everyone. It's midday. Super Talk Mississippi. It's Monday. And that means it's a two-hour program today. Ricky Matthews, Super Talk Outdoors at 12.05. Watching the markets this morning, it ain't a pretty sight. The Dow is presently down 142, but the NASDAQ is really getting beat up. It's down 218, and I'm watching some of the issues on the NASDAQ. They're not faring too well this morning, although November was an incredible, incredible month uh, for the markets and the NASDAQ in particular. And it has been really a very positive year. I'm looking at Microsoft. It is down $9.54. That's that's over 2.5% today, trading at 364. I'm going to make a prediction. You can hold me to it. Now, this is the stock market here, so, you know, <laughs> predictions are about as good as throwing darts at a board from far away, right? Microsoft presently trading for 364. I say it approaches 500 this time next year. I know. That's bold. It's a heck of a jump. That's bold. That's radical. That's crazy. I get it. It's just a prediction at this point. But I think it's possible. The funny money, as you like to call it, it's doing pretty well. It's way on up there. Still nowhere near its highs, but yeah. Yeah, that's right. But I, I didn't know that, honestly, it would get to where it is today based on its trajectory a short couple of months ago. Oh, wow, yeah. Bitcoin's over 40000 It is, yeah. What was the high? 60-something? 60 60, yeah, that's kind of what I was thinking. I couldn't remember if it was 50s or 60s. 64, but, 9, 12. Okay. So it's 40. It's at two-thirds of the high right now. But there's a lot of folks that are, are pretty happy when they bought the dip, as they say. If they, uh, of course, who knows? how they have handled that transaction, that trade. Nonetheless, the uh, the Dow down, now it's down 160. The NASDAQ down considerably as well. It is down 218. That is 1.5%, so that's a big retreat on this day. And the reason is because bond yields are up. Bond yields... Uh, increase when the government has to sell bonds at a lower price, lower price than the par, the face value of those bond, bonds. And you know what the problem there is? We're borrowing too much money. I know that's shocking, but the government needs more money because we can't stop the crazy spending. And when they need more money and they're selling those bonds and they can't get people to buy them, uh, at the rate at which they need to, the price goes down, and thus yields rise. And that has an impact on the markets. So that's where we are. I, uh, I'm seeing more. I think the, the handicap, the probability, you know, there is such a, a metric of the Fed backing off and actually decreasing rates in March. I think that's now over 75%. 75% probability that the Federal Reserve will reduce the Fed funds rate 
They didn't specify an amount. I would suspect it would be a quarter, maybe a half. But now it's predicted and widely believed by economists that in March we'll see a retreat, a pivot. That'd be something. I'm also seeing more and more economists believe that we're approaching a period of deflation. Wow. Man, will Biden go crazy with that one? If that happens, we already have the rate of inflation moderating significantly, and he's taking victory laps on that, of course, without really explaining what that means, because still, relative to what what the price of everything was before he took office, it's up, substantially. You want to hear my bold prediction? What's that? If we do reach deflation, Biden will just do victory laps for that, too. That's true. That is true. It, um, but, you know, something that's interesting related to that is that lots of Democrats are starting to ditch pushing the term Bidenomics. <laughs> the catchphrase, I guess it's got a lot of issues. It's seen as tone deaf because voters are saying, wait, my situation isn't better under Biden. It's worse. Why are you touting this? Why have you assigned this label to something that's really not good? So many Democrats are now starting to distance themselves. The Democrat convention is uh, no longer including the term in its press releases or on social media. How about that? Well, that's, I think, pretty easy to understand. It's actually not the Democrat, pardon me, the Democratic Congressional Campaign Committee, the DCCC, and House Majority PAC. Those are two big fundraising outfits for the Democrats. Both have said we're not going to, we're not going to really emphasize Bidenomics. Now they've got a new term: <laughs> people over politics. How about that? People over politics, that's their new term. How can the Democrats with a straight face say that? Their policies aren't about people over politics. It's quite the opposite. They would be more accurate in saying, gimme, 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 power to me over the people. That's what they want. Seeing more information, more proposals coming out of the Biden administration about ending fossil fuels, but now they're really targeting coal. No more coal! While the Chinese build and launch three new coal plants a a month. By the way, most energy experts say we got enough coal to power the country for 500 years. <laughs> and the Biden administration is trying to completely eliminate the use of coal, which accounts for a substantial, substantial uh, component of our electricity. So no coal. They don't want natural gas. They don't want coal. I think that's about 
responsible for about two-thirds of our electricity? The whole place just goes dark. They're okay with that? I guess so. And don't you dare say nuclear. I know, which is crazy. And there are other... The only power source that has managed to keep France relevant. That's exactly right. France is. They're the number one in the world when it comes to nuclear power. To nuclear. Emits no carbon whatsoever. Will they come forward and tell us what their specific problem is? I'm talking about the green nuts on the left. Honestly, it makes you wonder. Do you just not want power? You just want to set us back to the era of the caveman? I kind of think they do. Again, I reiterate, they must not really give a rat's rear end about the environment and Mother Earth. Because if they did, they would tout their accomplishments and they wouldn't ostracize nuclear and natural gas. I agree. But they sure do. And I I don't see that changing anytime It's almost soon. like wind and solar are emerging markets, so it's easier to hide money and grifts and bribes than it would be for an over-regulated market like nuclear energy. Yeah. You know, I think they're reading no, the polls. No, Government's <laughs> not dirty. Excuse Politicians me. aren't liars. People over politics. <laughs> That's so ridiculous. <laughs> uh they're seeing the polls. They're seeing what people are saying. We're not. They're not happy about the economy. So it doesn't make any sense to promote economic policies under this label umbrella of Bidenomics when people are saying, "No, we're not happy. It's not. It's not a good thing." I. I guess I don't get it. Uh, our old friend Robert Wright. He's at it again. Uh, and just a ridiculous comment, honestly, that uh, we'll talk about when we come back. It, it, these folks are just, they're anti-capitalism. Not that we didn't already know that, but uh, some days I just want to say, man, give it a rest. You, you're, you hate profit. You hate corporations. You hate free markets. We're coming back with more with Sticks bumping us out of this segment with Mr. Roboto. Don't forget Dr. Jennifer Bryan at 11.05. Talk about the increase of respiratory illness in the southern U.S. Stay with us. Coming right back. You're listening to Middays with Gerard. Gerard Gibbert here on Super Talk Mississippi. Just confirming, I want to make sure I had the data right on sources of electricity. According to the EPA, gas accounts for 38.4% of total electricity, and coal is 21.9%. So 70% comes from those two sources, which the Democrats want to completely eliminate. What the heck are we going to do? Work in the dark? 
live in the dark? I guess they're okay with that. I don't know. So frustrating. Karen in Oxford on the ceasefire text line. That's 601-879-4395. It is insane to me how politicians wait until the year they are running to do things they were supposed to be doing all along and act like they really did something for us. Example, Pelosi's nephew, Gavin Newsom, and his recent cleanup for Chinese President Xi Jinping, but not for the taxpayers who pay his salary running for our vote. Yeah, I think there is a lot of frustration with that. It always seems like, oh, I'm running for office. i got to get out there and do something to make me look good. I do think there's concerns. I agree. Darren and Jackson said, John Kerry said, too bad for the people in West Virginia who were against closing coal plants. Yeah, you remember famously Hillary Clinton. She made it clear she was perfectly fine with her policies with uh, respect to energy, which would cause a lot of workers in West Virginia to lose their jobs. Remember the refrain, they could learn to code. Code, yeah, I do. So dumb. Louie from the 662 says they need to be concerned with the 18 plastic bags that Walmart sent home with me yesterday. (laughs) I think there's some states you got to bring your own bags. Isn't that right? And it, it, there's some, there's some I don't know policies. If it's statewide, but yeah, there are some municipalities. Maybe that have it's municipal. Yeah, I think Austin, Texas, is one that has some sort of shopping bag ordinances. Don't remember exactly what those are, but there's something in Austin related to that. I remember the coal thing is strange. It runs the world on the ceasefire text line. I don't believe there is a realistic path for our country to recover on the ceasefire tax line. I disagree. I think our best days are ahead. You absolutely have to think positively and optimistically. If you think negatively and pessimistically, typically those thoughts tend to come to fruition. I think it's important we remain positive and optimistic. That doesn't mean we just dismiss what truly are our most pressing challenges and issues. No, quite the contrary. We have to keep pushing back, pushing through, making life better. If, if that's the case, you know, I've said this before, <clears throat> would you be really willing to go down to a local hospital, to the maternity ward, and tell the parents, don't have that child. It's past the point of recovery. Everything's going downhill from here. Disaster awaits. Armageddon, catastrophic. I don't believe that. I really don't. And I, gosh, I, I don't think we can address our, our issues, solve problems, and make the world and our country, our state, our communities better unless we stay focused on that. Robert Wright, he says, no, the debt isn't out of control under Biden. <laughs> the debt as a share of the GDP has actually fallen since Biden took office. A tax on Stock buybacks, a minimum corporate income tax, funding the IRS to tax, or pardon me, to take on rich tax cheats. All of these things are, in fact, reducing the deficit. No, sir, they're not. That's just mathematically inaccurate. Once again, referring to the deficit in Trump's last year during the COVID year of 2020, it's absolutely true that. The country produced a record deficit, 
that year because of the COVID stuff. All Democrats, all Republicans supported the legislation that produced that. That was an anomaly, an aberration. We can discuss the the merits and the problems with uh, that approach all day long and not come out, I don't think, with any conclusion. But it is absolutely true that Joe Biden, because he wanted to completely expunge any remnants, anything attached to Donald Trump, he had to ram through that $1.9 trillion American rescue plan. Had to ram that through. Then the CHIPS Act. Then the infrastructure bill. Had to do all that. Bottom line is, Joe Biden has produced more deficits in his first three years. Uh, three and a half years, he'll hit where Trump was. And after four years, he will exceed Trump. And that's without COVID. That's without COVID. So you're wrong, Mr. Wright. And the deficit's not going down. That's just wrong. I actually have some audio here of Mr. Reich talking about Bidenomics and the economy. Here we go. Remain calm. All is well. <laughs> Stay calm. All is well. How can he lie like that? How He's can got you, lots of practice. How can you be happy with a $2 trillion deficit? This year's going to be two, 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 three. How can you be happy about that? And that's no COVID. How can you say, oh, the economy is rebounding? It's just in wonderful condition when you're producing and the government is completely under control from a revenue and spending perspective when you're generating $2 trillion deficits. I don't get it. How how can you say that with a straight face? I guess they don't care. Here's something else he says. This is his explanation for inflation. Thanks to growing market concentration, giant corporations have been able to jack up prices and rake in record profits. The result? CEOs and executives get to pocket excess profits, while everyday Americans get their pockets picked. Isn't he clever? Well, see, here's the problem, Mr. Wright. It's your policies that facilitate, create an environment that engenders concentration. It's your policies. The other thing I always wonder is, well, did these corporations just wake up the last two years and say, hey, look, we can jack up prices, get whatever we want, make excess profits. There's no such thing as excess profits. Like they didn't, couldn't do that in the Trump era? They just woke up Two years ago, hey, we could do this. They're just dumb, asleep at the wheel, don't understand the kind of power over pricing they have. That's just disingenuous for him to say that. Just a phenomenon that happened the last couple of years. This is all in an effort, of course, to detach Joe Biden from the economic difficulties that Americans have endured since he's been president. That's what this is. Blame it on the corporations. They're charging too much. Well, don't buy what they sell. It's real easy. Then they won't charge as much. But it's also not recognizing the fact that the, the uh, profit of corporations is volatile. Some 
quarters, years, months are better than others. I mean, that's just all subject to market dynamics. He just doesn't understand that. The concern I have is that there are a lot of people who buy into this nonsense. When you look at the when you look at the some of the comments that you see coming out of uh, these people, here's one. Corporations originally had charters with the towns in which they incorporated and operated. As more and more corporations have gone international, they no longer have a stated responsibility to their community. That needs to be reinstated as a qualification for incorporation. What does that mean? A responsibility to your community. Corporations seem to overemphasize profit and underestimate a responsibility to the community in which they operate. How do you overemphasize profit? If you're a student in school and you're pursuing the top grade in every class you take, are you overemphasizing your performance in the classroom? If you're engaged in sporting competition and you aspire to win every contest, are you overemphasizing winning? What the hell does that mean? Restoring conditions of corporate responsibility would be a first step in restoring good citizenship in our corporate enterprises. You're saying they're not responsible? You know what their responsibility is? To produce value for society so that the market is recipient to what they're selling. Receptive, I should say, to what they're selling. And they part with their money for the goods and services these corporations sell. And that enables them to invest and hire and expand and produce profits, to roll some of that back into the company, to expand and grow. Yeah, and some people produce income off of that for themselves. What's wrong with that? How's that upside down? They don't exist for the benefit of the community. We're coming right back with more final segment this hour than Dr. Jennifer Bryan with the Mississippi State Medical Association at 11.05. You're listening to Middays with Gerard here on Super Talk Mississippi. We are back in the Element Well studio. I knew there was something about Austin in the bags. Single-use carry-out bags. This was an ordinance passed in 2011. And essentially, it went, it went into effect in uh, March 2013. And it regulated the types of bags that could be distributed by businesses in Austin. And it was really trying to encourage people to use reusable bags. Bring your own bag, fill your goods up, fill it up with your goods, take it home, unload it, sock it away somewhere, and bring it out the next time. But the Texas Supreme Court ruled that such a ban violated state law, and the the city uh, lost its ability to enforce its single-use carry-out bag ordinance. That goes back to 2011. I had no idea. Interesting. It goes all the way to the Supreme Court, a bag ordinance. <laughs> that's, what's, 
kind of interesting about it. Well, it all kind of became moot during COVID, because don't you dare bring that dirty bag in here. Well, that's true. Single use only. Yeah, and bring your Lysol, right, to spray it down, spraying down the Amazon boxes. What were we thinking? It was crazy. It's hard to believe that we're approaching four years ago when all the madness was, I guess, at its height. I kind of consider 2020, wouldn't you, to be the crazy year of all? Seems like it. Oh, yeah. Every day we'd come in here, it'd be a new announcement of some organization that was just suspending anything that was in person. Sporting events, business events, just canceling one by one. Various venues shutting down. It was crazy. When I hear about mortgage rates, this is Dan in Hattiesburg, I try to remind myself about rates under Carter. Yes, better days are coming. That's just one example. Well, heck, Dan, for that matter, uh, rates are considerably lower than they were uh, under Carter. And then, of course, that carried on into the Reagan administration. It was really Reagan and his Fed chairman who knew that to to uh, send inflation packing, they were going to have to take some really harsh monetary policy measures, and they did. And that, uh, of course, spurred the interest rate skyward. I remember it as well, man. It was ridiculous. I want to say the prime got, what, up to 18%, something like that. Mortgage rates were around that as well. It was impossible virtually to buy a home at the mortgage rates of the day. So we're we're far cry from that. However, the price of homes has continued to trend upward, and that's because there's just a shortage. Not, not enough supply. There are reports that a lot of the the 20-somethings, what generation is that? Is that Generation Z, I think? Where did, what what's the age group age range that that incorporates? That whatever, they're uh, they hate folks like me. They hate the boomers, you know. <laughs> it's boomers' fault we did everything. Uh, but they are X is sixty five to eighty, millennials are eighty one to ninety six, Z is ninety six to twenty twelve, and Alpha is anybody born twenty thirteen and up. Okay, ninety six to twenty twelve. Well, that would that would. Put them in their twenties, so there could be in the at the stage of life where they're looking to purchase a home, and they're finding that virtually impossible with the shortage of housing, the high price of housing, and of course the interest rates lapped onto that. And there have been some reports that suggest that, as a result of all of those factors, they're anti-capitalist, they're pro-socialist. Well, if the government just stepped in and dictated, mandated, stipulated, I'd have a house. You know, crap like that. Yeah, pay no attention to the fact that they're demanding a for a starter home what our parents' generations or your generation would have considered nice. That's exactly right. Something I'd, to move into with the family when you're approaching retirement. That's exactly right. But now everybody's got to have a bathroom attached to their bedroom and and all the other various amenities in the house. You think about it. 
closed Square garage. footage alone, <clears throat> the average house nowadays would have been the big house 100 years ago. Yeah, that's absolutely true. Hmm. Jason and Starkville, don't forget the UV lights for all the air purifying in homes and places. Yeah, remember, that's one of the things that old Randy Weingarten, union, education union chief, wanted like gazillions of dollars to install all this fancy HVAC and UV light equipment in classrooms. We're not going back to the classroom till we get that. Remember all that crazy stuff? Have you heard that the city of Pearl sending out tickets of cameras catching license plates of people without insurance? I haven't. That would be license plate recognition. I mean, I know that's been used in a lot of uh, communities by law enforcement to catch speeders. I hadn't heard about having no insurance, but hey, if you got insurance, you don't have to worry about it. We're taking a break. It's time for Fox News Super Talk News. Dr. Jennifer Bryan after that. Stay with us. And now, and now, another hour of the talk that keeps Mississippi talking. Middays with Gerard Gibbert. Begin your transition now. Now on Super Talk Mississippi. Welcome back, everyone. It's hour two of Middays. We are in the Element Well studio today. We welcome to the program now Dr. Jennifer Bryan with the Mississippi State Medical Association, the Board of Trustees, President-elect. Dr. Bryan, always good to see you. Thanks for coming in. Oh, good morning. Thanks for having me. Well, this uh, these respiratory illnesses are starting to get lots of attention, of course, here in the United States. A couple of states in particular are experiencing uh, what appears to be almost an epidemic of, of childhood respiratory illness. Mm-hmm. And then uh, lots of reports again coming out of China mm-hmm. uh, as well. Hospitals being overwhelmed yeah. uh, with this issue. What's yeah. going on here? So it's um, it's multifactorial. I mean, first of all, we're okay. Um, our, I think our biggest threat here is flu. Um, COVID's running a second there and lots of respiratory stuff this year. But um this the white lung stuff with the kids that's not really a medical diagnosis term it's just the way the pneumonia looks on the x-ray okay um you know we're we're seeing just a lot of respiratory stuff i i don't necessarily think it's connected to china though it's it's difficult to get information out of china so yeah. and when uh, you do you can't rely on it. right but what we're seeing are typical respiratory pathogens like mycobacterium or atypical pneumonia the typical cold viruses and flu and covid and so we are seeing these clusters of outbreaks and it's what we've already learned um over the past few years people are coming indoors it's cooler they're breathing they're coughing so uh, you're going to see these outbreaks um, as to what's happening in china I, I from what we are hearing it's mycobacterium and a, and a lot of the typical pathogens there as well and hmm. we could speculate as to why they're having more problems than we are with handling it but nonetheless i'm not overly concerned but we are watching all of that why children uh, it, that's just who they target. Same thing we talk about um, children and, and older folks when it comes to viruses. The the adult human with with um, 
intact immune system does the best. Children don't have as strong an immune system as adults, just like elderly that wanes later in life as well, and particularly with medical conditions. Well, I believe it's Ohio, right, mm-hmm. one of the states, uh, which has a number, uh, reporting a number of, of children being hospitalized yeah. with this. What's the treatment? Uh, so with z still treat mycobacterium, um, but then depending on flu, it could be Tamiflu or Zoflus or the other antivirals, COVID. We still got Paxlovid. So it is a mix of what we're seeing. And, um, and, and of course, vaccines are, are the best prevention. They still work. They're still safe and effective. So if there is a vaccine for respiratory pathogen, this is the time of year to be thinking about, has, have I had my pneumonia shot if it's indicated, um, flu shot, COVID shot, and so on. Gotcha. So in in China, I've I've seen uh, just some of the national uh, physicians who who uh, comment on these matters have said that uh, they they believe this is largely the result of just the very harsh, yeah. stringent lockdowns they had during COVID. Now they're out yeah. and about, and, uh, and and so they were unable to build up these immunities by being out and about, and, and I guess catching. Uh, these diseases and and then moving on and all of a sudden this is all coming at once one of the things i heard you on the last segment talking about you know when we were wiping down our mail and amazon boxes yeah. science is not real time as you know so we'll look back and we'll reflect on this and say okay this is what was happening in china versus ohio or, or what have you but yeah. but in but that's a good theory i mean I, I i agree that you know they did have much stricter lockdowns than we did here we locked down or or we slowed down for a time when we began to get tools but we never did do what they did and uh, your immune system is a wonderful thing and it's exposed to pathogens it does begin to develop some immunity so I, I agree that that probably is part of it, but that's, again, just me guessing. I don't think we'll know until the end of this season when we really reflect back. And, and we may never know out of China. That's yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's a problem. But it is a good theory. Okay. But but in general, you don't seem to be overly concerned about it here no. in, the, uh, in, in our state, for No, example. we have tools here. It's not anything that uh, – I mean, certainly we always pay attention. Really, the big threat right now is flu, and we are seeing a very aggressive form of flu. I do want to really kind of double down on flu, and if you have not gotten your flu shot, now is the time to do it. It's really aggressive this season, even more so than um, COVID appears to be, although there's plenty of COVID out there and still in the hospitals. Um, we'll watch this. You know, things evolve, but um, at this point, the signs and symptoms just say this is a bad respiratory season with things that we know how to manage and treat. Hmm. And are, are the elderly and, and those with uh, comorbidities, are, are they more vulnerable to the flu here? Certainly, yes. Um, the answer is always yes when it comes to respiratory illnesses and the elderly and those with chronic medical conditions. Um, so you're thinking, you know, diabetes or heart disease or you know th- those things, um, cancer. You, n- you need to be thinking about have you gotten your vaccines because that's unfortunately it's going to affect your immune system and your ability to fight these things off. Yeah, gotcha. So. Uh, let, let's pivot a bit. Uh, how are things going in the world of medicine in the state of Mississippi? You being, of course, involved with the State mm-hmm. Medical Association, I'm quite sure you hear lots of feedback yeah. uh, from your from your colleagues yeah. in, in that world. What do they say? Oh, well, thank you for that. Uh, yeah, we just had a, a board meeting last week, a lot of conversation around the state from all corners of the state, looking forward to this new legislative session, um, looking at the, you know, the committee chair appointments, looking at the changeover in leadership, particularly in the the speaker um, position there. And just um, really, I think I sense some enthusiasm about the things that we can get done. You know, there's been an eye on public health now for a while. We've all talked about 
you know, the elephant in the room that is just, you know, our health care and what do we do about it and how do we take care of our people and what's going to happen with the hospitals. But I'm sensing a renewed um, interest and enthusiasm that um, we're going to be able to get some things um, hopefully accomplished that uh, meet some of those goals. We're still looking at the same issues with. Gosh, I think about Kratom and the substances of abuse um, there and how we kind of get a handle on that before that that horse gets out of the barn every time and we end up chasing it backwards. Um, Mm -hmm. uh, We're looking at the prior authorization Hmm. bill that previously um, did not go forth, but um, we're excited about, you know, having another bite at that apple. Um, And then, you know, just again, looking at the Medicaid program, looking at the hospitals and um, and just really coming together. Lots lots of initiatives. Um, I will say that uh, this stopgap measure with funding the hospitals has been so appreciated and and across the state seems to really be making an impact. Our physician practices can continue to struggle, but I am hearing that there's going to be more impact for the, the physician practices to keep them out of the hospitals in the first place with whatever we do long term. So um, looking forward to um, making a lot of that happen. Yeah. And I, and I know your organization represents, of course, and advocates more uh, f- for the physicians themselves. That's right. But uh, the, in the hospital association, is a completely separate entity, yes. but they're obviously integrated. Well, There's what, overlap. Yeah. What are you hearing from the hospitals these days? I, I know they've got numerous economic challenges. What are you hearing lately? You know, um, I, what I just talked about, about the, um, I think they're grateful, you know, for, for what has been done um, and and then looking forward to how we fix this going forward. Yeah. I talked to um administrator of a rural hospital just last week that was kind of expressing those sentiments about, you know, they're kind of finishing in the red and um, and they don't like it. And how, how do they take care of the people? And interestingly, too, this is a, a political tangent I'm taking, but heard from a nephrologist this week who he said, you know, I'm. <laughs> I'm taking care of a lot of people that are not from this country that are, have illegally come across the border or wherever, and they need dialysis. And and so you have this person standing in front of you, and it's life or death, and dialysis is a very expensive thing. And so he says, we're filling up our dialysis chairs, and we're not getting paid for any of it. And I thought, well, I haven't even thought about that being as big a problem in Mississippi as he said that it was. So, you know, we learn something every day about how we're all being impacted by all these geopolitical things. Yeah. And uh, that's that's. That was interesting to me. Yeah, that is interesting. That's that's the first I've heard of that's that as well. The first I heard about it, too. And I kind of I said, really? Is that absolutely. So uh, I'm, I'm watching that. Um, but, I mean, you know, I, I can't say that's a trend. But those kind of things are impacting us as we're taking care of folks and, and using our resources. How do we get paid for those services that, you know, you're not going to let a person stand there. And, right. Uh, so what do you do? Yeah. Well, and not getting paid yeah. for it. And I, I know it's a problem. And I, I hear it from the physicians, from the hospitals routinely because it's it's a real thing complex problems we're also watching federally uh the medicare payment cut uh, it looks like this cut's going to go through it's going to be less than it was and uh i think there's going to be an opportunity to make it up on the backside some but um physicians are the only ones not tied to inflation and uh so the hospitals continue to go up and all the ancillary services and and we're not able to and and that has hindered us on the other side of covid as well so these are things we're working on but ultimately the goal is to make sure that we're there to take care of the people and um and these next few months should be challenging. Like I said, a lot of flu. But um, but I think we're okay right now. We'll just continue to monitor. Yeah. Well, certainly I hope so. And uh, always appreciate you coming on, Dr. Jennifer Bryant. Hey, thanks thanks a lot. for having yeah. me. Folks, we're stepping aside for a break right here. We're in the Element Well studio. Coming right back. Stay with us. For having learned how not to cry. 
Mornings with Gerard Gibbert. Let's do this. On Super Talk Mississippi. Let's do it. Mark them down as a quintessential 80s band. Certainly the hairstyles, right? Oh, for sure. For sure, that's right. Gag me with... I can't even get it out. Gag me with a spoon. (laughs) Remember the uh, movie Valley Girl? You remember that one? Vaguely, yeah. Yeah, from the 80s. That would be, of course, the San Fernando Valley. That was kind of the birthplace of just gnarly dudes, totally tubular. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> oh, gosh. Oh, well. She was back? bodacious. That's it. It was crazy, but sure does seem like it was simpler times. That's fine. I, um, you know, the, the kind of oversized attire. If you go back and watch some of the 80s videos, they all had it on. You know, the the big old baggy pants, jackets that, like, got down to your knees. (laughs) And then, of course, the the mullets and the big hair. Yeah, pretty cool. But simpler time, for sure. We're back. We're in the Element Well studio, of course. Talking about lots of different stuff today. And, yeah, I guess you could say I went on a bit of a rant. On Robert Reich, it's just, it's so maddening that he constantly attacks and targets the private sector. And there's so many people that fall in line and believe all this stuff and and think that the cause of all of their life's problems are corporations. Yet they willfully part with their money and exchange their money, their income, for the stuff corporations make. Now, I'm not defending corporations per se. I'm defending markets. And this fool doesn't believe in markets. And everything's all about CEOs. You take all the CEO pay, it amounts to nothing. Zero. Zilch. In a $23 trillion economy. And to rationalize that $33 trillion in debt is okay based on the percent of the GDP it represents, it's absolutely true that when you look at a balance sheet of a company that um, you look at the ratio of their debt to income. There's a number of different metrics, but that's a key one. That's leverage. It's considered leverage. There's no doubt. Lenders consider that. But that's not the that's not the same when it comes to government because lenders are taking risk. Taxpayers are absorbing the costs 
And in this case, in our country, it's, it, it manifests as inflation. It's not that they're sending you a bill. It's not that your taxes are going up to cover the deficits and the debt. It's that the government's borrowing boosts inflation, and you're paying for it through the cost of the goods and services that you, that you buy to live. That just seems to be lost. But I find it fascinating that the Democrats now are dropping the term Bidenomics is part of their messaging. Here at home, we have uh, been quite open in discussing our concerns about the public employee's retirement system. And I attended an, an event this past Saturday, a breakfast that is typically attended by, it's in Rankin County, by a number of folks that have an interest in, in politics, a number of elected officials, etc. One of those was uh, who's a regular attendee, is a representative that whose district is in Rankin County. It's Representative Gene Newman's good guy, serves in the House of Representatives. And of course this would be the uh, the last meeting or maybe the next to the last meeting before the I had to look at the schedule. It's always the first Saturday of the month before the legislature gets into session. And, and um, he addressed the group talking about what he thought the legislature was going to be working on. I find that uh, fascinating. But he said purrs. I was, I was shocked, honestly, Rhino, that he made the point that that was, in his view, the most important issue. And he assured those in attendance that Benefits would would not be on the table to existing beneficiaries, and I think you made some statement about those within some striking distance of retirement, including the cost of living adjustment, commonly known as the thirteenth check. But I was at least pleased that he said this is something we got to work on, and and he indicated he felt that. It would be an issue that the legislature, certainly on the House side, would take up not too long after they gathered up in the Capitol and launched the new session. So that uh, will be interesting. He also talked about the ballot initiative. That is something that we have not had here in the state of Mississippi now for three years, I believe that uh, requires the legislature to pass some legislation and, of course, be signed by the governor to reinstate the ballot initiative. That's after the Supreme Court struck down what we presently have in our Constitution. We don't really have a, a working mechanism that would pass the legal muster in the Supreme Court for the folks to put a measure on the ballot. We don't have such. So he, he mentioned that. Of course, there's been a couple of, I guess you could call them false starts. We couldn't seem, couldn't get both chambers aligned on what such a program would look like so that it uh, would get the necessary votes, send it to the governor. Actually, it, as I recall, Rhino, that would not have to go to the governor. It'd have to go to the people. The governor does not have to sign off on such a resolution. It would be a measure that would go to the ballot for the people 
to ratify, which would amend our Constitution. So we'll see if we can get uh, that going in the next session, in the next term. See if we can get, can get some consensus between the House and the Senate. Thus far, we've been unable to achieve such. Gerard, I'm pretty sure that Robert Reich has never been accused of being an economist, says Robert and Brandon. <laughs> That's an interesting thought, Robert. You're probably uh, right in that regard. I don't really know what his angle is. I don't know what his goal is, other than to just stir people up into a frenzy and attract all these whiny baby. They are. They're whiny babies, honestly. Oh, that's right, Mr. Reich. Please go take some money away from those CEOs and send it to me. I mean, I know I'm exaggerating and paraphrasing, but he's got them all believing that CEO pay is the reason for their personal financial struggles. And I again point out, well, if you're indicating, if your assessment, Mr. Reich, is that the corporate concentration and the record profits is the cause of inflation, I just ask, where were they in 2018 and 19 when inflation was less than 2%? Gas was under 2 bucks. Where were they then? They didn't have that kind of power then? Well, if that's the case, well, let's bring Trump back in. <laughs> you make a case for him. It's unbelievable. We're collecting more money than we ever have in the terms of revenue. We just spend more, a lot more. Thus, the $2 trillion deficits. Was PERS system subject to the cyber attack that crippled part of the state government system, says Thomas and Greenwood? I'm not familiar with the incident. Is there, was there a uh, cyber attack? I mean, there attack? was a localized cyber attack in Hines, Hines County. County, but not uh, not the state level. I'm not I'm not aware of any. If if you are, I haven't seen any reports on that, Thomas. But if you're familiar with something, let us know. I'm not aware. Um, what what would be what would you be looking for there? Was the PERS system subject to such attacks? I mean, as in PERS is unable to produce benefit checks as a result? I haven't seen that. haven't heard that. And is this not the month that the 13th check goes out? I believe it is. In December. Oh, that would be my favorite George Jones song there. Very appropriate for the discussion we were having. I don't need your rocking chair. <laughs> That's a great one. We're coming right back, folks, in the Element Well studio. Half an hour left, and then Ricky Matthews with Super Talk Outdoors. Middays with Gerard Gibbert. It is on. On Super Talk Mississippi.
back in the Element Well studio. We thank you so much for uh, joining us. So, what were you just telling me about the Senator Rick Scott from the Sunshine State of Florida? What's he done now? He has penned a letter on United States Senate letterhead to Mr. Boo Corrigan, Selection Committee Chairman of the College Football Playoff, demanding answers and transparency from the Selection Committee following its unprecedented exclusion of Florida State football from the playoffs. (laughs) Oh, my gosh. So now we have a uh, U.S. senator inserting themselves. Hmm. That's something. I request that you immediately respond to this letter with the following information, and then it's got ten demands of information. Wow. Unbelievable. Well, let's see here. On the C Spire text line, the list of states that seem to be having, this is Louie from the 662, difficulty with respiratory issues look to be primarily the liberal states that stayed masked up much longer than conservative states. Well, that um, that's not actually true. Louisiana and South Carolina are in the very high category. Alabama, California, Colorado, Florida, Georgia, Mississippi, New Mexico, Tennessee, Texas are just behind them. Hmm. So I don't know that there's any correlation there at this point. I don't know that we have enough data. Gary in the Berg says, enforce E-Verify solves a lot of problems. Well, that, that does for jobs, Gary, but it doesn't solve the problem of people streaming across the border and uh, just traveling throughout the country, landing like here, states is Mississippi. They get sick. They're going to go to the doctor, usually the ER, and they're not going to be able to turn them away. Just simple as that. That's uh, that's the problem of trying to convert, or this this idea, this concept of having a 100% free market. I'd love for that to be the case in healthcare, and that's because. The, uh, the hospitals, in particular the ERs, are not going to turn away a sick person. And in fact, law precludes them from doing so. Law that was passed under Ronald Reagan, 1986, known as EMTALA. It's kind of hard to have a free market if the provider of a service must deliver that service without payment, knowing that the patient cannot pay, will not pay. They're still going to take care of them and render service. Let's see here. Vicki in Clarksdale says the 13 checks will be in their bank accounts December 15th. Appreciate that, Vicki. I thought it was this month. I just couldn't remember what the date was. Uh, the great interview with Dr. Brian, as always, says Michael in Starkville. Thank you. Appreciate that, Michael. I always enjoy having uh, Dr. Brian on as well. She's always a wealth of information. and. Gives us kind of a, uh, a view from being on the ground there, at the ground level of dealing with uh, taking care of people in our state. And then, of course, being part of the Mississippi Medical Association, receiving lots of feedback from her colleagues uh, who are physicians. Appreciate that. John in Pontotoc says, you, can comp- you can't compare, I believe, what he meant to say, Biden economics to Carter 
Nobody ever accused Carter of getting rich or selling our country out. It's a good point, John. I think you're going to see some movement there. If you guys have been following the news, Representative James Comer from Kentucky chairs the House Oversight Committee. You probably heard Michael Guest, if you were able to last week, our congressman from the 3rd District discussed that, that Representative Comer and his his fellow committee members uh, there, I think they're getting close to pressing forward with some sort of impeachment hearing in the House of Representatives. That's where it originates. Of course, that's got no chance of a conviction in the Senate. Nonetheless, I think it is likely to expose a lot of wrongdoing that certainly will be a factor in the 2024 election. completely believe that. Uh, let's see. David and Jackson sent a very long text. What difference does it make if we have a ballot initiative? They've already proven that if they don't like something, the people pass, and they're going to strike it down for some reason and implement their own kind of bill. The government is no longer accountable to us, etc. Uh, what do you say? If they don't feel like they are anyway, just like with this Pearl passing this law about sending drivers no insurance tickets using traffic cameras, the man that sat in your chair fought tooth and nail to keep traffic camera tickets out of Mississippi. He was a thousand percent against it, and he's the reason we don't have them. But now they think they're finding loopholes to be able to do whatever they want. Sorry for the rant. I'm just frustrated. Well, uh, I guess, um, you know, I can't really speak to, to past in the past opinions. And I'm not advocating for it. I guess I'm just wondering, why do we have so many people that are breaking the law that aren't carrying insurance and speeding? I mean, those are against the law. And if that would mean, I guess you could go back to fighting radar, right? Hadn't that been a very controversial matter with respect to law enforcement, traffic and law enforcement in particular? The fact is, it's against the law. And if, you know, I guess my feeling on it is if if technology somehow, I, I get the concerns about it being intrusive, although it's not like your license plate isn't out there for the public to see. You don't, like, hide it. In fact, you have to display it by law. So using machines to read license plates um, why do you, you know, I guess I would wonder, why does that, how do they figure out if you don't have insurance? What am I missing there? Do you, is there some sort of report you make when you purchase your automobile insurance? Do you have to report that to the government? Hey, I got automobile insurance. I thought you just had to carry proof of it in your car. So how would a license plate recognition system know you don't have insurance? It would have to query some sort of system that has a record of who has it and who doesn't, but I'd, I'm not aware of any any systems or any laws, requirements, processes we have in place where when you buy automobile insurance, you report that, unless the insurers are reporting it. If that's the case, why do you need to scan license plates? I mean, I, I guess it's possible... You could have a license, you could have a registered vehicle and not drive it, and therefore it wouldn't have to be registered, or, pardon me, insured? I don't know. That's a little over my pay grade. Um, I, I know the, the uh, systems 
the automated systems that detect speeding, or even running uh, stop signs, red lights. Those have been around for a long time. I don't know what the legality is in the state of Mississippi, but I, I, I know I spent a lot of time in Arizona for business years ago and had some friends that showed me that they got a ticket in the mail for running a stop sign and it, or a stop light, pardon me, and it, and it sent them a photo of the car just past the intersection with the light showing red. And I guess that was their basis for ticketing them. That's interesting. It queries the state database of who has insurance, says Thomas and Greenwood. Who, who reports that, Thomas? Is that as an individual? Are you required as the automobile owner? Are you required to report to the state that you have insurance? I don't know that I've ever done that. Unless it's the insurers somehow that are doing that. I can see where that would be possible, but that means the insurance company is providing that information to government, law enforcement. I wonder if you approve that as part of your application or acceptance of the policy. I don't know. If they run, a lot of folks are texting in, if they run your license plate, it will tell them if you have insurance. Right, but how? Like, what are they... What are they bouncing that data across? How does law enforcement, what systems are they accessing to, to determine who has insurance and who they don't? And actually, it's more specifically to that vehicle. And that vehicle is associated with the car tag. Now, all that information, of course, is supplied, uh, the vehicle information number, that's all ID number, whatever it's called, the VIN is supplied to your, uh, your county when you acquire your tag. Just curious. If a traffic camera can show proof of insurance, why not? Why do we have to carry it with us? I agree. That's Lori and Goche. That's what I'm trying to get to. Adam and Baldwin says, yes, some insurance companies provide that information to the state database, but some, that's not sufficient. How can you give, you may give a ticket to somebody that has insurance with a carrier that's not providing that information. And I will just wonder if folks know that, hey, the insurance company is supplying that data uh, to government. Coming right back, final segment. Stay with us. Are we going to do this? Middays with Gerard Gibbert. Keep rolling. Three, two, one. On Super Talk Mississippi. there. <laughs> so I got to tell you, folks, we got a lot of texts. Rhino, I think you, you can agree with me on this. You would agree with me on this. We got a lot of texts on this subject. And there's none none agree. They're, everybody's got a different take. You can't do that. You can do that. It's some of them. They do it something special. So the bottom line is we don't know. Honestly, I freely admit, I don't know. Rhino did send me the um, 
Yeah, I've got the, the code, code section, section right here, and in a Title 17 under local government provisions common to counties and municipalities, in Chapter 25, which is general provisions relating to counties and municipalities, Code Section 17-25-19, Prohibition Against Ordinance Authorizing Use of Automated Recording Equipment to Enforce Compliance with or Impose Penalties for Violation of Traffic Laws. And it says, in state statute, Neither the Board of Supervisors of any county nor the governing authority of any municipality shall adopt, enact, or enforce any ordinance authorizing the use of automated recording equipment or system to enforce compliance with traffic signals, traffic speeds, or other traffic laws, rules, or regulations on any public street, road, or highway within this state, or to impose or collect any civil or criminal fine, fee, or penalty for any such violation. Well, traffic laws would include... Maintaining insurance, right? Seems to be the way. So, uh, based on that, doesn't seem like it's possible. So, to the folks who ever said that Pearl was doing this, I'd like to know, can somebody else uh, attest to that, confirm that? Is, in fact, Pearl doing this? I don't want to start something that they're not. Are they doing this or not? Because according to this, they can't. Well, if they haven't authorized this, then they have someone scamming their citizens and well, should get true. on it. That is true. Could be a total scam. So uh, either they need to be made aware that they're breaking the law, or they need to be made aware that someone is breaking the law in their name. Right. There you go. They snuck in later with this insurance crap, says Thomas and Greenwood. Who, who's they? What insurance crap? It's a criminal act to drive without insurance in Mississippi, but those companies issue a civil penalty. It's just a scam. What's a scam? That you have to have insurance to drive a vehicle? Is that what he's saying? Is a scam? Hmm. Local news reported it on the ceasefire text line. Okay. Haven't seen it. They were talking about it this morning. I didn't hear it, Karen. I had a meeting this morning. Uh, I didn't hear it. That somebody else said the same thing. So. But based on, and, I, and Rhino sent this to me, I mean, based on this code, doesn't look like that's legal. So I just wonder, is this something that was authorized by, what, is, what do they call them, uh, the governing authority of any municipality that would, be the, uh, that would be the folks in charge of the city of Pearl? Or is this something that they have directed their police department to do? But it's in violation of law. Interesting. Hmm. So, I don't, WLOX said Thomas and Greenwood, the city is no longer issuing tickets for drivers caught by camera that indicate that drivers do not have insurance. It doesn't seem to me like that's legal, based on what we read here that Rhino dug up for us. Ocean Springs confirms the city ended its contract with Securix Systems, the company that specializes in automated license plate readers. Interesting. So is Securix the monorail? Uh, it sounds like it. Insurance is a secondary violation. Can't be stopped for no insurance is the primary charge. Well, I don't... I mean, I don't know how that fits in with this language here. No... Uh, automated equipment can be used to enforce compliance with traffic signals, traffic speeds, or other traffic laws. Is that is rules that, or regulations? Traffic laws, yeah, rules, rules or regulations. Right. So is, that would seem to include any law or rule, even secondary violations. Yeah, exactly. 
Because it's not like you have to have your insurance card on your person when you're walking down the street. It's only when you're driving down the street, which would make it a traffic law. Statute is clear. By the way, it's 17-25-19. Somebody asked for that on the C Spire text line. Maintaining insurance on the vehicle is probably a property regulation in the state and not a traffic regulation. Mm. Uh, do you have to have insurance on a vehicle if you don't drive it? I don't know. If it's not on the roads of the state of Mississippi or your local municipality, no, it does not have to be insured. Okay. Well, then that would seem to not be a property regulation, but rather a traffic. But again, I'm just speculating. No, the camera ticket is a scam, says Thomas. It's a civil penalty issued on a criminal act to circumvent due process. Hmm. You still have due process just because you get the ticket. I mean, you still have due process as far as the conviction and the payment and the fine because you're still going to get a court date where you can go contest it and all that sort of stuff. Seemed to me like that would be due process. Andy in Jackson says it was reported on WJTV. Hmm. Well, again, it's Big Brother infringing. Well, I, I guess so, but just don't break the law. You got no worries. Coming. Oh, we're done today. Sorry. Back tomorrow. Stay safe. God bless everyone. A Super Talk Mississippi yeah. media production.